What's up, guys? Jared Lopes back here with you on the Dad Tired Podcast. It is so good to be back with you. I miss you guys. It's been several weeks since I've recorded a podcast. As you know, I'm taking a break for the summer, just trying to get some writing done, spend time with my family. We're going camping and traveling and resting and all kinds of good stuff. Hopefully, you're having a good summer, too. But I really do miss you guys. I feel like I haven't been able to talk to you and hang out with you as much as I could possibly hang out with you on a podcast. I just miss you guys. Um, It's 8.54 a.m. on a Monday morning. My wife's at work. I'm sitting in my room. My son, Elijah, is a foot away from me. He's laying in our bed. My daughter is sitting on the ground at my feet. Uh, (laughs) So we're in like full-on summer mode right now. Um, Anyway, I wanted to give you guys just a couple updates. We did a conference in Houston uh, I guess it was like a few weeks back, maybe a month ago already. We did a dad tired conference and it went so well. I was like, I was a little nervous to be honest with you guys. I've, I've, I speak a lot, but I've never spoke for like an entire day and hosted my own conference before. So I was a little nervous going into it, but, uh, man, it was just so good. God moved in big ways. I think the guys in Houston, um, just were encouraged at meeting each other and just being equipped with the gospel and what it looks like to have the gospel radically change their hearts and their marriage and the way that they parent and their work. Anyway, so since then, there's been tons of, uh, we've had uh, a crazy amount of churches reach out and say that they would like to do some conferences at their church. And so we're, we're actually planning on doing 24 conferences in the next 12 to 18 months. So we've already got a bunch lined out. I'll be giving you a lot of details on that as we kind of get closer to that. But I can give you a hint that uh, some fun ones will be in Australia, probably a couple churches in Australia. We'll be in Hawaii, North Carolina, probably back in Texas, California, Tennessee, um, the Atlanta area. I know I'm missing a ton, but Anyway, those are some uh, places that we're already talking to about getting a conference in that Portland, I guess. I forgot about Portland where I live. We'll be doing one in the spring, uh, winter or spring next year. Anyway, super exciting stuff. I'm, that'll probably end up being a big part of the Dad Tired Ministries, these conferences. So for those of you guys that remember two years ago when I started this podcast and I had, you know, I was using my iPhone earbuds as a microphone and uh, just recording in my living room. I guess we haven't gone much past that. I've just moved to my bedroom, which actually might be a downgrade. Uh, but <laughs> as far as uh, the audience has grown and just like our community, it's just, it's been crazy to see how God's really grown this community of men who want to love Jesus and help their family do the same. So it's crazy that it was like surreal being in Houston and being in a room full of guys, holy cow, Alexa's yelling at me for some reason, uh, being in a room full of guys that um, just want to fall in love with Jesus and and really help their family do the same. Speaking of Alexa and my ADD, um, there she goes again. Uh, we'll be doing a, an Alexa app. That's something I'm working on this summer so that uh, come this fall, you'll be able to say, I don't know that one. Golly. Uh <laughs> Come this fall, you'll be able to wake up and ask her for a morning report, and we'll do like a one-minute dad tired devotional. So that'll be fun too. Um, hey, if you don't know how I I do uh, ads on the Dad Tired podcast, uh, I'm not really into ads just for the sake of ads. Obviously, to run a ministry, we've added some people to the team this summer. Uh, it costs money. A lot of you guys graciously donate to that, so I'm super grateful for that. Um, 
But as far as ads go, I, I don't want to ever do like just traditional ads of products or services that I've never heard of. So typically the way an ad on the dad tired dad tired podcast works is I find something that I personally really like. I wasn't even looking for it as an ad and then I just ended up loving it. And so I'll, I'll just reach out to them oftentimes through Instagram. I'll just shoot that company a message and say, Hey, uh, I love your product personally. I think your product would be really good or your service would be really good for the dad tired guys. Would you be interested in running a promo and buying an ad on the dad tired podcast? And a lot of them say yes. And a lot of them say no, but if, if I end up talking about it on this show, it's because I personally love it. Um, and then I think, man, you guys would probably like it too. So I actually have a whole bunch of products that I've been reaching out to that I've just personally found and love. And, uh, that I'm going to share with you guys over the, the next coming months and in the fall. Um, so think of it more less as like an ad and more like a review of cool things that I like that I honestly think you'll like. So the first one is uh, Circle. Uh, it's this device. I've talked about it before. You've heard me talk about it on the podcast. But Circle is this device I found a few years ago that you can put into your house. It, it looks super cool. I'm, I kind of geek out on technology. I like the way things look. So it looks super cool. It's like this little router that plugs into your Wi-Fi router and then it manages all the devices in your house. So for us, I set up a device for me uh, or a profile for me, Layla, uh, and then a combined one for my two kids. And then you can kind of customize each device for that profile. And anyway, my favorite feature, I've talked about this before, but it's super awesome. I just used it yesterday was when your kids are on the iPad for too long, or maybe they're watching TV or whatever, you can literally just open the app, hit the pause button, and the internet will either shut up on shut off on those specific devices, or you can set it up to shut off the internet for every device. Um, but it, that's been a super helpful way for us to manage technology. And you can also see everything that's being used uh, both on your personal devices, your spouse devices, your kids devices. So it's a level of accountability too. Anyway, I reached out to Circle, said, hey, would you guys be interested in sponsoring a podcast? They did. Um, so they're a super cool company. Uh, I, they're actually from Portland. They started here and just really cool. They offering, they're offering you guys a $10 off if you use Dad Tired promo code and free shipping, which is it really is a super good deal. So anyway, go to circle.com or it might be meet meetcircle.com. Um, let me double check that while I'm on here real quick. That's embarrassing. Uh, we're in full summer mode. Yeah, it's meetcircle.com. Go to meetcircle.com. Uh, and then when you buy it in the promo code, as you check out, do the promo code dad tired one word you'll get $10 off and free shipping. All right. Uh, I've got a podcast, uh, from way deep in the archives. A couple years ago, one of the first podcasts I ever recorded, um, it's one of my favorites, but it's, if you've started listening to the podcast, you probably haven't gone this far back yet. So it's talking about shame, which is something I've struggled with in the past. I know a lot of you guys have struggled with. So I hope that this podcast is helpful for you. I love you guys. I miss you. I'll try to check in uh, every few weeks to just give you updates on what's going on. I love you guys. Talk to you later. See you. talking about shame today i wanted to first start by telling you the story it's a little bit comical when i was um, 16 years old my uncle and aunt decided that they wanted to take me to las vegas for a nascar race my my uncle's super into nascar so he wanted to uh, go to a nascar race in las vegas and he was um, asked if i'd tag along or would be willing to tag along with him 
And of course, as a 16 year old, I'm like, yeah, this sounds awesome. So went on a plane and flew into Las Vegas and never had been before. And I've actually never been back since then. Uh, but I flew to Las Vegas and I get off of the plane in Las Vegas and step off the plane. And I kid you not, like the, immediately when I get off the plane, standing right there is Mike Tyson, which I feel like just makes sense for every movie I've ever seen about Las Vegas. I'm not going to tell you which ones I've watched. Um, but if you've ever seen a movie about Las Vegas, it seems like Mike Tyson is in all of those movies. And so the fact that I walked off of that plane and the very first person I see is Mike Tyson uh, was hilarious to me. Um, but I didn't know what to do. I get super awkward for whatever reason. I've had my fair share of experiences with uh, celebrities. That's I don't I don't have any like cool hookups. I don't have friends in high places. Um, I just happen to be at the right place at the right time, and I always run into celebrities. This has happened to me. I should just post all the pictures that I have with famous people because it's bizarre. But inevitably, I get super awkward. I never know what to do uh, when I'm around this around famous people. So I see Mike Tyson. I'm like, I don't I don't know what to do. But I ask him. I'm like, Hey, would you take a picture with me? And surprisingly, he was like super cool. He's like, Yeah, you can take a picture with me. And uh, so I stand next to him, and I have no clue what to do. Like, I don't know. Do I uh, do I keep my hands in my pockets? Do I put my hand around Mike Tyson? Do I put up my fist? You know, like the fighters do to pose? Do I like act like I'm biting his ear? I don't know what I'm supposed to do to take a picture with Mike Tyson. So I defaulted to the thumbs up. Like I just gave a thumbs up, which looking back is like the cheesiest picture you could ever take with Mike. And then uh, for, for whatever reason, he does the same thing. He, he puts his thumbs up. So I have a picture with Mike Tyson. We're both given the thumbs up. It's so cheesy. Um, but I always feel super, super awkward when I'm around, I get nervous, I get all like sweaty and weird and awkward and I never know what to say. And I think at the, the, like at the end of the day, the reason I do this is because I just, I, I feel like they're superhuman, like they're on another level. Um, we have no, nothing that we can relate to. You know how people always try to like relate to, Hey, uh, we have mutual friends. No, you don't stop saying that. Um, I, I just feel like these guys are, are serious, like are, are, they're famous and they have nothing. Our lives are so different that they want nothing to do with me. And sometimes I take that same mindset and I actually project that same mindset onto God. Like if God is who he says he is, if, if God of the scriptures, who he claims to be, that he literally spoke the world into motion, that he breathed life into humanity, that he created life out of the dust of the earth, that he knows every star by its name, that he can count them, that he feeds the birds of the air and the beasts of the fields. Like he is God. He's magnificent, powerful God. I struggle with, does that God, if he's as huge and as magnificent and mighty as the scriptures tell us he is, I mean, does, does that God really want anything to do with me. And on top of that, um, on top of that, just like in awe of his magnificence, and on top of that, I deal deeply, my, my biggest struggle is with shame, that I am not worthy, that I am actually not lovable, that I have too much junk, too much sin. If everyone really knew me, they wouldn't want to be around me because I am a sinful, broken, flawed man. And so why would God want to have anything to do with me? I actually struggle with that deeply. Uh, and so 
that's the question we're asking today. Like, what does God do? Is that true of God? What, like, does God want to be around us? How does he interact with his people? And so to, to start to answer that question, we have to go to the very beginning of the story, and it's Genesis 1. Like I said, God created everything. He created the heavens and the earth. He, he created the stars and the mountains and the sea. And through all of this, he says, this is good. This is good. And then he creates humanity, humans, Adam and Eve, and he says, this is really good. Like, we did a good job here. I'm a little bit impressed with my work. And then humanity does something crazy. Adam and Eve make the same decision that you and I make all the time. They say, I wonder if God's holding out on us. I wonder if there's something that God hasn't told us, or I wonder if we could be better gods than God himself. I wonder if we can go do things our own way. And they decide to step outside of God's design. And as a result, they fracture their relationship with God. Everything up until that point had been perfect. Relationships between Adam and Eve, humans, was perfect. Relationship between the humans and God was perfect. It was exactly as God had designed it to be. But then Adam and Eve step outside of that design by choosing to do their own thing. And I always tell people this, God had every right. He had every right. He should have, and he could have walked away. The Bible really, like your Bible, our Bibles should be two pages long. In some cases, one, depending on the size of the font. But our Bibles should theoretically be one to two pages long. It should be God creates the world. He tells us how things are best operated because he created them. He tells us to live under his authority, his rule, his reign, and things will go really well. And if we don't, things will go really poorly. And we choose, Adam and Eve, humans, choose to go outside of that design. And God could have, he should have, had every right to say, you know what, I'm out. Like, I told you guys how things work. I told you, like, this is how things would work best, and you decided not to listen. So, peace, dude. Like, I'm going to go start a new earth. I'm going to go find somewhere else to to hang out, and, like, we'll do this whole thing over again. I'll find humans that want to live under my design and under my rule and my reign, and and things will go better there. But God doesn't, and that's the that's what separates God from every other God and every other world religion. God pursues humanity instead of saying, you know what, I'm out. God says, you know what, I'm in, and I'm going to make everything right again. So we see this in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. So man and woman, Adam and Eve, had just made the decision to step outside of God's design, and how does God respond to brokenness and sin? Verse 8 in chapter 3 says this, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? God, when faced with a broken, sinful humanity, walks in the garden. He doesn't shout from heaven. He doesn't send a note. He doesn't strike down with lightning. He doesn't go crazy. God when encountering a sinful and broken humanity, is walking in the garden. Now, catch his response. His question was not, what did you do? His question was not, oh my gosh, did you disobey? His question is what? Where are you? 
In its very nature, the question is relational. I want to be near you. I want to be with you. Where are you? It's the same kind of question you would do towards your son as a loving father, right? Because we don't judge our sons based on their actions, but there's deep relational. It's a deep relational environment. And so we ask, son, where are you? God, when faced with a broken and sinful humanity, asks, where are you? As he walks with them in the garden. Then God uh, is operating in his justice. He's also a very just God. So he removes them out of the garden and he sets aside this Adam and Eve, turned into a whole nation called the nation of Israel. And God says, okay, I'm going to set you guys aside. I'm moving through scripture really quick here, so I apologize, and I'm going to move quick for the sake of time. But God sets aside a group of people called the Israelites, and he says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to show you what God people are like. Even though the rest of the world is sinful and broken and far from me, you guys will worship me, and I'll show you, and we'll show the rest of the world what it's like to be under my design. Now, that sounds awesome, except that the Israelites failed miserably all the time. They never got it. Like, they're like us. They Some days are like, God is awesome. Yes, I can't believe it. Hands up, worship service. This is so good. And the very next day, they're making golden calves and worshiping that. And they, I mean, it's a wreck. It's a train wreck. But sadly, it looks like our life. I mean, we're just a roller coaster of emotions as they're trying to figure out what it means to follow God. Now, God, again, could have said, here's how I design things live under that design, things will go really well. Um, But if you don't, I'm out of here. But God doesn't. God, in the midst of broken humanity, uh, broken and sinful people, now the Israelites, God says this in Exodus 25, verse 8. Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. God is saying... I want you to make a sanctuary or what's called a tabernacle, this box, this holy box that I will put my spirit in so that I can be with you as you walk through the desert. This is insane. This is crazy. No other God does this. The Israelites are broken, messy, sinful people. And God says, I want to be among you. I want to dwell among you. Again, he's not shouting from heaven. He's not yelling down. He's not throwing some bread at him and then peacing out. God is wanting to be right in the midst of his people. And then God does something incredible. We jump quite uh, quite a bit of scripture here to get to this part. We see uh, the Israelites struggling through their story of trying to figure out what it means to live under God's design. And then God does something absolutely insane. God puts on human clothes. He clothes himself in flesh and blood. And he moves into the neighborhood called humanity. God moves into the ghetto called humanity, called earth, so that he can live even closer. Now catch this. It's not because humanity was awesome. It wasn't like humans were doing really well and they were starting to get it and they were cool. And so God's like, hey, I want to go down there and check things out. God in our brokenness, 
while we were still yet sinning, God, in the midst of our junk, instead of bailing, instead of saying, this is getting out of hand, I'm out of here, you guys are a mess, God in his grace puts on the clothes of humanity and he moves into our neighborhood. He gives up the luxuries of heaven. He moves out of the gated community and he moves into the ghetto of our lives. And he begins to live among us. He literally has flesh and blood. He literally dwells among us. Let's see in Matthew verse 1, uh, our chapter 1, verse 22, it says this, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God is literally among them. God is near them. God is a neighbor. You could see him. You could see his facial expressions. He has flesh and blood. You can touch him. God can't get near enough. He is always near the broken and messy people. And he begins to teach people in real life what it means to be under his design, to be part of this kingdom. He's reminding them of how things used to be. Hey, remember back in the garden, this is how things were designed to be. This is what life looks like when you're under my reign, when I'm king. This is what life looks like in my kingdom. God, seen broken and jacked up humanity doesn't bail. He doesn't shout from heaven. He shows up in flesh and blood. He moves into the neighborhood. He is near broken and messy people. Now, this sounds great, except Jesus says, hey, I'm actually going to die. Um, I won't always, always be here. There needs to be some kind of penalty paid for that brokenness, for the sin of humanity, for that fracture in our relationship. Now, you can make offerings, or you could try to die, or you could uh, do enough good deeds and all that stuff to try to repair this relationship, but that won't be, that won't fulfill my justice. There needs to be something perfect in place, and whatever it takes for us to be in right relationship again, you don't possess the capability of doing that. But in my grace, I'm going to do that for you. I am going to pay the price for you. This is amazing news. This is amazing grace that God says, you messed up and yet I'll pay the consequences for your actions. And God says, Jesus says, I'm going to die. Now, his disciples don't like this. They freak out. His followers freak out. Like, no, you're not going to die. We waited years. We waited years and years, centuries for you to come. We waited decades for the savior to show up and to save us and you're you're the savior like you're 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 the one that's supposed to save us and now you're going to leave us what in the world are we supposed to do now john our uh the book of john chapter 14 verse 15 says this jesus says if you love me you will obey what i command and i will ask the father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live in you. 
you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Jesus says something crazy here. Jesus says it's actually better, friends, disciples, followers, it's actually better if I leave. Now, this doesn't make sense, right? I've heard people say, you know, I wish God was here with me. Like, I just wish Jesus was here. He could help me process things. He could help me, like, figure this situation out. Like, I would tell you it's actually not good if Jesus were still here. Now, before you hit the stop button and unsubscribe from this podcast, hear me out. Jesus literally said, it's better that I leave. So I'm not just, like, preaching heresy here. Jesus said it's better. Why is it better? Now, just let's play this out practically. Let's just say that me, Jared, and my wife, Layla, we're having a big fight. This is all theoretical. We never fight because we're the perfect Christian couple, right? But let's just say that we were theoretically having a fight about communication and love languages and all that stuff. Um, again, super th- <laughs> theoretical. This never happens. Um, so we're having a fight, and I call Jesus. He's living here on the earth. I call Jesus. I'm like, Jesus, can you come over here and help me and Layla? Because we're really struggling in our marriage. I'm having a hard time figuring out what the kingdom, what the gospel looks like in this very situation. So Jesus bikes over, uh, hoverboards over, he drives over, whatever, whatever he did. Like he, he comes over, right? Jesus comes over and he's here and he starts to hash out what it means. And he says, Jared, do you remember how I loved you? Uh, you remember how you were always like messed up and kept being unfaithful towards me and you were turning your back on me? I want you to love your wife like that, relentlessly, passionately, faithfully, okay? So keep loving Layla the way that I've loved you. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. I need to sacrifice and lay down my life for my wife. Now, in the middle of our conversation, Jesus gets a call and it's somebody else. It's one of you guys, someone on the Dad Tired group who's also struggling in marriage, but you're in New Jersey, right? And so Jesus is now like, all right, I got to catch the next flight over to New Jersey because we've got another guy who really needs some help in his marriage. So Jesus catches a flight and he leaves me to go be with you. Do you catch where I'm going with, with this? Jesus in his humanity is stuck in one place at one time. He's fully God, but he's also fully human. He cannot be in one more than one place at one time. So he says, it's actually better for you that I leave. But listen, I'm not leaving you. I'm giving you my spirit. My, my actual spirit that's in me is going to be in you, the counselor, to remind you what it means to love faithfully to to live out this gospel in everyday life. Now, when Jared and Layla have a problem, I remember that the Spirit of God is actually inside of me, that the Spirit of God lives inside of me, and He can remind me. He can point me back to Jesus and remind me what the kingdom looks like in my house in Portland, Oregon. And He can do the same thing for you in New Jersey, and He can do the same thing for our friends and brothers who are being persecuted in Africa and in the Middle East and in China, Right? God can be in multiple places at multiple times living inside of us. What's is even crazier, he doesn't just give us like this, just the scriptures. He doesn't just give us a book to say, okay, try to remember these things. Look at this manual and you'll, you'll be able to figure it out. He says, yes, you have the scriptures, but you also have my spirit, which is in you. God literally cannot get close enough. 
He's with them in the garden, walking around when they're sinful and broken. He's with them in the desert when they've strayed far from him, and he's literally dwelling among them. He shows up in flesh and blood to move into the neighborhood. And then when he dies, he says, don't worry, I'm getting even closer. I'm going to be near you. I'm going to be with you. My spirit is going to live inside of you. And then the greatest news of all time, Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, God prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. From Genesis to Revelation, God has a reputation of being with broken and messy people. The whole story of Scripture, what separates Jesus, what separates the God of the Bible from every other God, is that he didn't bail. And he doesn't make you work hard to be near him. God pursues broken and messy people. And instead of God bailing all the way back in Genesis, God said, I will make things right again. And in the midst of it, he keeps showing up. Brothers, if you are struggling with shame and guilt because of your sin, if you feel far from God because you feel too sinful, let me remind you of the gospel. That it, God wasn't around perfect, neat, holy, righteous people. That God came for the sick. That God has always been around broken and messy people. He has a reputation of wanting to be close. I'm not just saying this to like give you fluffy talk. I'm literally pointing you back to the reputation of God This is what he has always done from the very first pages of Scripture to the very last pages of Scripture. God shows up and he is with his people and God wants to be with and near you. Not because you're pretty and your life looks good and because you've got everything in order. God wants to be with you because you are his son, you are his daughter, and he's asking, where are you? Not what have you done? Not how much shame can I put on you? Not let's measure up all your junk. But God says, where are you? Son, daughter, I've called you righteous. Every other religion is trying to ascend a mountain to try to get to God. By doing enough good deeds and enough good works. And they're trying to feverishly work towards getting closer to God, praying a certain amount of times a day in a certain direction, all of these works to try to get close to God. The God of the Bible says, you can rest because I'm coming down the mountain to be with you. This is the good news of Jesus. And that's what I've got for you today. I flew through that on purpose because I knew we had a lot to cover, but friends, I'm telling you, this is good news Don't get numb to it because you've heard it a million times. This is good news that God wants to be with you. Don't walk in shame. Walk in grace. 
God wants to be near you. Thank you again for listening to this podcast. Come hang out with us in the Dad Tired group. Go pick up your free audiobook, dadtired.com slash podcast or dadtired.com and click the community tab. I love you. I'm grateful that you're on this journey with me and then I get to be on it with you. We will talk to you soon. Later. Later.